Good morning. It is wonderful to see each and every one of you here this wonderful summer day. It was nice to get some rain last night, and it's nice to gather on this eighth Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, I know that many of you are excited to see our chancel rails are back in. They have been worked on, and uh, you'll notice the spindles are a little farther apart, and uh, Beth tells me they're hollow, so the uh, chancel rails are not as heavy as they once were, and Burr Fox has built us carts for when they are removed, so we can move them and store them when they're not in use, but I think they look wonderful, and I hope that after worship you will come up and, and take a good look at them. Next Sunday in worship, we will have the children from City of Hope singing and dancing with us, so uh, I am very much looking forward to that. This will be my first time experiencing that, um, and I am, I am super excited, so that's next Sunday. Um, also this morning, I wanted to uh, talk with the congregation briefly about um, people who are coming to church seeking assistance. Um, we've had that happen the last couple of Sundays. And um, if people come to the church seeking assistance, there are lots of different ways that we can help. So uh, if you would be so kind as to send them to me uh, at the end of the service, um, I want to be able to pray with them. I want to be able to assess what kind of help they need, whether it's emergency need or uh, whether there are some other resources that, that we can connect them with so that they're not just okay for today, but okay for um, a longer period of time. Um, and as you know, we do have a pastor's discretionary fund. Um, there's a checks and balances thing in place on that. I, I am the person who approves the use of those funds, but Karen is the person who writes the checks for those funds. Um, one of my uh, friends went to Uganda for a year after college, and when she came back, she was part of a group that was starting a church in Atlanta, and one of the people in Uganda that she had worked with took the bus for three weeks so that he could save up his money and send it to Julia for, uh, for the new church. And so he walked miles every day instead of taking the bus to save that money, and then he sent that to her, and um, it amounted to about $2.36, but it was weeks and weeks and weeks of sacrifice in the making, and um, that's kind of how I, I view discretionary funds. You know, they are funds that you have uh, graciously provided, and uh, they are spent that way as a, a very precious resource that was given in love and we want to make sure that they are shared in love. Um, I want to make sure that when we help people, we have a relationship with them so that they can come back and, and we can you know, constantly pray for them, pray with them, and, and figure out how we can best partner with them in their need and in their lives. So um, please send them to me. After worship, I'm up here, and then I'm back in my office, and um, my door's always open. Will you please stand for the call to worship? Let us pray together. God of us all, your love is without limit and without end. 
Enlarge our vision of your redeeming purpose for all people. By the example of your Son, make us ready to serve the needs of the whole world. Amen. Our opening hymn is What a Friend We Have in Jesus, found in your hymnals on page 526. Let us unite our hearts and our voices in our opening prayer. Holy One, untamed by the names we give you, in the silence name us, that we may know who we are, hear the truth you have put into us, trust the love you have for us, which you call us to live out with all our sisters and brothers in your human family. Amen. I'd like to ask for the attention of the children this morning for children's time. Um, I'd like to talk about one of the holiest people I have ever met. 
She has a very distinctive name, and since we are live streaming, I'm going to give her another name and then hope that I don't call her by her real name when I tell the story. Let's just call her Laura for the time being. Um, Laura, just every once in a while you meet somebody who has just such a remarkable connection and relationship with God that you cannot miss it. You just cannot miss it. And, um, and those people tend to be people who fill you up and, and who, um, who draw you closer to, to God yourself. And, um, and it's always a surprise who they are. I mean, it can be someone in a cafeteria line. It can, it can be, it's just always a surprise because God works through all of us. And, um, and uh, some people have just been, I think, more attentive and, uh, and tend to have a, a connection with God that just um, makes them a beacon to others. This particular person, who I'm calling Laura, um, was in third grade when I met her. She uh, was part of our vacation Bible school, and um, she had come from another church to attend vacation Bible school for the week, and I had her, I did the discovery and experiments station, and uh, we had icebreaker questions. Icebreaker questions are, are questions that you ask just to kind of get to know each other. It doesn't have anything to do with the lesson. It just kind of breaks the ice when you don't all know each other in a group. And, and so our question that morning was, who is your favorite, who is your favorite superhero? Um, and so we heard from most of the children lots of very typical answers. You know, all the superheroes we know about from comic books and cartoons. But Laura, Laura said, my favorite superheroes are missionaries. Well, that was a different kind of answer. So I said, would you say more about that? And she said, well, yes. Missionaries have great love for God in their hearts. And so they go out and they share that love until the people they share it with really get it and really know it's true. And then those people go and share God's love with other people. And when they know it's really, really true and they feel it deep within their hearts, then they go and tell other people. And she said, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and people come to know that love is the only thing that really changes things. Third grade. Third grade. I, I think this, this, this child is going to be awarded a Nobel Peace Prize, and I won't be at all surprised someday in the future when she is. But that's really what our lessons are about today, and that's really what Jim Hewitt's song is about today. Um, I'm preaching on Jim Hewitt's music. He's a pastor in our conference, now retired. But love is a superpower. Have you ever thought of love being a superpower? Whenever you have a tough situation, love can always transform it. When you feel alone, you have the love of God available to you. You can find it in this community. You can find it in scripture. You can find it in your own prayer life with God. When you have just about any problem or encounter any kind of circumstance in life or you encounter people who themselves are facing challenges, 
you know that if you can bring the love of God in your heart to that situation or to that person, it can change everything, like Laura said. So this morning, I really want to encourage you to think about love as a superpower and think about the people in your life who just need to know that God's arms are wrapped around them and tell them that. Just simply tell them that. It will make a difference, I promise you. Thank you for your attention this morning. As we prepare to receive God's holy word in scripture, let us prepare our hearts and let us pray. Christ, whose insistent call disturbs our settled lives, give us discernment to hear your word, grace to relinquish our tasks, and courage to follow empty-handed wherever you may lead that the voice of your gospel may reach to the ends of the earth. Amen. Our New Testament lesson this morning is found in the third chapter of Ephesians, beginning with the 14th verse. Um, I had the privilege early in my ministry of officiating at the the wedding of my father to my stepmother, and this was the main text of the service, so I always hear it in that context. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power from his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you please stand as able for the reading of the gospel? Our gospel lesson is found in the fifth chapter of Matthew's gospel, beginning with the first verse. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? 
It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. This is the third in a series of four sermons on the music of Jim Hewitt, a retired pastor in our annual conference. He has, over the course of his 40-plus year ministry, released five CDs, all full of profound storytelling and rich theology. He has been a profound witness to me and to many other clergy and certainly to the congregations he has served. In the song today, Rooted, he uses the language of being rooted and grounded in love from Ephesians. And he also talks about what Barbara Brown Taylor, the Episcopal priest and professor and author, calls the topsy-turvy kingdom of God, where the poor are exalted and the hungry are filled and the captive finds relief, release and the blind see. Rooted and grounded in love, Jim sings, allows us like flexible and deeply rooted trees to stand against the prevailing winds of other voices in our lives and to stand tall in the storms of life. I've always been intrigued by people who are, ambitious is not, the, not quite the right word, but I would say um, passionate, passionate with intensity. I mean, I've met um, a few people who just seem to have more life force in them than one body could hold. Um, and so they're not people who necessarily ambitiously seek out external rewards like money or influence, but there are people who have a passionate sense of purpose and, and, and jump out of bed every morning with a, a, a sense that they're not going to waste daylight. For four years, while I was studying Bowen family systems theory with Dr. Roberta Gilbert, who herself studied under Dr. Bowen, I pursued such people and I asked them where their strong sense of forward motion came from. Um, I've talked with best-selling authors like David Baldacci and Christopher Whitcomb. I've talked with the FBI's best interrogator, Barry Colvert. Um, former President Jimmy Carter, who was an adjunct faculty member at my seminary when I was there. Two tactical jet squadron commanders, one ambassador, and a host of people who have been innovators in business. And I was really interested in whether one could become more passionate and purposeful, if there was a skill set that one could master, for instance. I wanted to know why ambition travels through some families and why in others one person might have that, that drive and ambition while succeeding generations um, do not. David Baldacci, who has over 100 million books in print in over 40 languages, talked about how for 15 years, 
without, he, he wrote without being able to sell anything. Not a novel, not a screenplay, not even a short story. For nine years, he was an attorney at a DC law firm and would come home at night and after his, his daughter and his wife went to bed, he would write from about 10 o'clock at night until about two in the morning. He said that he started writing when he was a child. His mother had given him a journal and told him to write down all of the fantastical stories that he told to try to get himself out of trouble at home or with school officials. And he found it was his passion and remained his passion. He said that if he had never sold anything, he'd still be writing. He said that once you find your passion, it's the most important commodity you have in your life and that despite what people may say to you and despite what less than enthusiastic responses to effort, they are to efforts to sell what you're passionate about, that it just doesn't knock you off your game. It doesn't discourage you from keeping with it. Well, Baldacci's answer sounded just like the answers of everyone else I've interviewed on the subject. Even in the absence of recognition, even in the absence of encouragement, even in the absence of everything our culture tells us is a payoff, they kept at it because it's what they loved to do. Barbara Brown Taylor, again, once wrote in Christian Century Magazine about how envious she was of people with a spectacular sense of purpose. She wrote about being in admissions at Candler School of Theology at Emory University and and the process of reading through applications for admission and uh, conducting interviews with people. Um, and, and their responses to the question, why are you applying to this school of theology? And she said, one interview really stood out. And so she wrote about it in her Christian Century article. It was an interview about a guy who had, who had um, to get out of prison to come for that interview. He had been convicted of armed robbery in Alabama and, and had become a Christian while he was serving his sentence. And along the way, he gained the reputation as a jailhouse preacher whom a local church adopted and pledged to send to school. If the seminary would let him in, he told the admissions committee, then the parole board would let him out. So in the course of this interview, he told them about his crime. It had taken place at a convenience store he said he was just a stupid kid who had almost changed his mind when a police officer came into the store and saw what was going on, and everybody panicked. Shots rang out, and, and he, the would-be thief, was hit. It had been years ago, but still the guy told the story with relish, sitting there at this polished oak conference table with, with a, a bunch of um, intellectual seminary types. He pulled up his shirt to show them where the bullet had gone in his belly and out his back. That, he said, was my burning bush with a big green grin on his face. Well, Taylor said she really envied his sense of purpose and his passion for pursuing a new life, bullet hole and all. When she thought about it, she couldn't think of five people who believed that what they were doing was what God called them to do. Instead, they were waiting to find out what their true purpose in life happened to be, or they were waiting for circumstances to improve enough for them to do a better job of fulfilling it when 
when school is over, when they've accrued more work experience, when the right job comes along, when the children are grown and the house is finally paid off. Then, maybe. Then. Until then, though, they lived with the sense that what they were doing with their lives was not it, whatever it was. Whatever life held in store for them, whatever their talents added up to, what they were doing wasn't that. It is sad, but it's typical it's typical of, of, of phrases um, that we hear from people who say that they're having a, a midlife crisis or, or an identity crisis or a vocational crisis. People without a strong sense of passion and purpose walk around thinking that, that this life is not yet real life, that, that we shouldn't necessarily give all that we have because we're not doing what somehow we think someday we will do. So we stay in the baby pool where no one expects much of us. If someone asks you what you are up to, you just kind of say, well, I'm still practicing. You dismiss what you do every day. You discount who you are because it doesn't match your fantasy of what you, dedicated to your life's true purpose, are supposed to do and supposed to look like. Paul's prayer for the church in his letter to the Ephesians addresses his sense uh, and his desire for a sense of purpose to anchor our lives and propel them forward in exciting ways. He says this, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I just, I love that imagery, being rooted and grounded in love. When I read those words, I picture a plant with deep roots that does not become uprooted in the face of harsh winds or violent storms. It's an image that reminds me that being rooted and grounded in God's love offers the deepest connection we can forge between God and others. Connections so strong that they ensure that nothing can wrest us from our moorings. Not a bad economy, not the loss of a relationship, not an unfulfilling job, whatever. Nothing can uproot us from our connectedness to God and community. It is the job of us, the gathered community, who exist, among other things, to remind one another that the lives God is calling us to are the ones that we are living right now, in the here and now, under these present circumstances. And it doesn't matter if you're in high school wondering what you're going to do next, or if you are well-established at, at the top of your game in your professional life. You still have everything that you need to respond to your divine call. You have what each of us has, one whole, precious, wonderful life to live on this earth, with tasks in it that, that, that we may choose to do well or poorly, with people in it whom we may lift up with our presence with them or put down by our absence from them, even though we are standing right in front of them. We are rooted and grounded in God's love for us, which connects us to one another. And if you believe that, 
like Laura says, deep in your bones, so you know it's true, where will your life take you? If we truly trust God's love for us, if it anchors us, that changes everything. That affects everything. Our relationships with others, our desire to put our faith into practice in, in, in numerous arenas, our sense of what we are called to do in the various vocations that we have and in all the arenas of our lives, but also as a church. It is unstoppable. It is relentless and prodding. It brings forth from us our, our best and calls others to share the same. Love is the most powerful force on earth. Rooted and grounded in love, find your purpose in that, and life will not and cannot ever be the same. Every night when we lie down to sleep, there is either more life in the world because of us, or there is less life in the world because of us. And this remains true whether or not we have ever seen a burning bush. Rooted and grounded in love. That is the text upon which Jim Hewitt based this song. Rooted and grounded in God's love for us, we are empowered as witnesses, and we can stand against the prevailing winds if that is where love leads us. Rooted and grounded in love, there is a fullness and abundance and assurance in that phrase. When we are rooted and grounded in love, when we trust God that deeply, we can live life fully, no matter what our life's trajectory happens to be, and no matter our circumstances. Often, that love will take us places we hadn't anticipated going, will call us to serve people we otherwise would not have met, will challenge our resources and our abilities, but we'll find that we have what it takes to go to those places, to share that love in the world, and to magnify the abundant life of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We now have a video of this song, Rooted, in which Jim Hewitt talks about, about the values of the world and our ability to stand against them if we are rooted and grounded in love. Robert has created this video. Thank you so much, Robert. Where once there was no 
me the space for prayer in the heart. God there will get the job done. The tree that is rooted and grounded in love. Love of the Lord for the poor. Grounded in Jesus and all he has done. Shall not be undone by the world. Shall not be undone by the world. Read the word. Break the bread. Pour the wine and embody the truth. Let the Lord be guide to your way. Men, women, children, and youth. The tree that is rooted and grounded in love. Love of the Lord for the poor. Grounded in Jesus and all he has done. Shall not be undone by the world. Shall not be undone by the world. Nothing eternal is easy to be. The way of disciples is uneven broad. Only by being one body in Christ can the way of the holy be found. As Jesus has done, give your heart, trust and obey Him, love as the Lord everyone. The tree that is rooted and grounded in love, the love of the Lord for the poor. Grounded in Jesus and all He has done, shall not be undone by the world, shall not be undone by the world, a tree that is rooted and grounded in love, the love of the Lord for the poor, grounded in Jesus and all he has done, shall not be undone by the world, shall not be undone by the morning that there was a shooting and three people were shot outside of Nationals Park uh, yesterday, and I have been thinking about the Olympics as they uh, will start on Friday and praying that not only will we see sport and sportsmanship at its zenith, but I hope that everyone will be safe as all these nations come together 
for this glorious competition. I know that each of us has the news hit us a different way. And today, as we think about how we go forth into the world to share the superpower of love, it is impossible to ignore the brokenness that we sometimes find there. So I encourage you to call to mind those particular items in the news that are on your hearts this morning as we go to God in prayer. Loving and eternal God, we seek to show respect for everyone, to love everyone, to wish the very best for everyone, to work for justice and wholeness for everyone. We pray for those places in the world and in our own country where there is violence, where there are unsettled hearts, where there are hearts that do not know your love. Help us to witness with our lives so that others will know the truth of your love for them and the truth of your gospel. Hear the prayers of our hearts as we grieve over some of the things we learn about in the news. Hear the petitions of our hearts as we pray for those who are facing surgery or recovering from surgery, those who are going through treatment. Hear the joy in our heart when we thank you for the wonderful blessings of of family and friends who surround us with support and care and love and joy. And especially during this summertime when we are able to go on vacation, refresh our spirits, that we may serve you each day with gratitude and joy. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray each day, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Will you please stand and affirm your faith with the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Will the ushers please come forward? As forgiven and reconciled people, let us now return thanks to God with our gifts of tithes and offerings. Let us pray. Loving and eternal God, we return our thanks to you in so many ways, in gifts of friendship, in gifts of service, in gifts of love, here now we return to you 
the financial blessings that have been bestowed upon us, we return a portion to remind ourselves that all that we have, all that we have comes from you. All that we have is, is a gift that you are trusting us with to steward. We, the church, take that seriously. We thank you for the gifts that allow us to be in ministry here in the Martinsville community and beyond. And we pray, Lord, that what is in these offering plates doesn't look like dollar bills, but looks like love. Love as we share it with all God's people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
our closing hymn is Blessed Assurance, found in your hymnals on page 369. <laughs> Now may you go forth in peace with yourselves rooted and grounded in God's love. May you use that superpower to share in the world that God loves all his children. Amen. Please be seated for the postlude. <laughs> 